Pastor Paul Boyer and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's listen to Pastor Paul as we study the Word together. So Happy New Year, everybody. I said that before. Today is New Year's Day, which is interesting because, you know, it's just the way the calendar fell that the holidays are on Sunday this, this year. And we're in church on New Year's Day. And I, I like that. I can't think of a better way to start this new year than being in church on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to be preaching today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you want to, if you want to look it up. Yeah, I mean, you can turn, there, there are these paper things, you may not be aware of that. And if you, if you turn these little slices of dead trees, there's words on it. So, 2 Corinthians 5, I'll be preaching from uh, verses 1 through 17, but I'm going to start with verse 17. So I'll give you a minute. 2 Corinthians, I say 1 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. This is a new year. Okay, so what does that mean? What does new year really, really mean? Why is it important to us? It's not a spiritual event. It's not one of the Hebrew uh, celebrations. It wasn't Param or, or the Feast of the Tabernacles or any of those things that they were called to observe. So what is the new year? How did we get it? Well, it's just an arbitrary date on a Roman calendar, right? Was it inspired by God? Maybe. Because God is in control of all things. But really the day today is nothing unique and nothing spiritual in, in, in the church or in God's eye that I can see. But the people have made something of it. We made today important because it's the start of something new. We need to have a place to start and stop. We need to have a place where we can schedule our lives. We need to have a little block on the calendar that mayor can write all kinds of stuff in. And that's what today is. It's a marking point. It's, it's stepping out into a new 365 and a quarter day year. So it gives us a chance to do something. As a, as a road mark, as a benchmark, it gives us a point where we can stand at that mark and we can look behind us and we can see where we've come. And we can look ahead and we can see where we're going. Now we can see behind us fairly well. I can't remember everything anymore, but I remember a lot. I sometimes remember what I'm, what I'm going after when I get up off the couch. Sometimes I don't. But... We can look behind us fairly well, and we can see all that's happened in our lives up to this point, and especially within the last year. Some of that might have been good. Some of that might have been just blessings from God. This year I've been blessed more than I can, can possibly imagine. It's not all good. Some of it's bad. Sometimes there's some things that happened in our lives in this last year that we just as soon forget. I overheard a man yesterday saying something about, well, you know, it's New Year. He said, yeah, we made it through another year. Now, what kind of attitude is that? 
Say, yeah, I made it through another year. Like, you know, now I've got another one in front of me I have to face. I don't think that's the way God intends us as people to live. So I think we need to look behind us and we need to see what's going on this year to see if we can learn from it. See if there's anything that's growing us that God is using to, to file off those rough edges. Maybe there's some things that happened in our life that God allowed because he wanted to get our attention. Maybe there's some things that happened in this last year that end up being that God ends up using for our good that we saw at the time as bad. Maybe we are in the eye of the storm and God's fending off all these bad things that could have happened to us this year. So what do we do? We come, we come here and we're standing on the threshold of a new year. So what, what do we do every year? What do everybody do? They make New Year's resolutions. So basically they're lying. They're starting off the year with a bold-faced lie. Because we all make these resolutions, right? I'm going to lose five pounds. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I'm not going to stress out about work. Then what do we do? We go along the way we always have. Making a resolution is fine, but there has to be more to it than that. There has to be some dedication involved in that. There has to be a will that we're going to actually carry these things out. I would love to run a marathon. I don't want to run. I'd love to run a marathon, but I'm not going to practice. <laughs> right? So I can run. I, I, okay, this is, uh, all right, this is what I'll do. You ever watch a marathon, especially in Europe? <clears throat> you know, they're, they're running along, and there's these BMW motorcycles just pacing them. That's me. <laughs> I'm going, beep, 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 don't fall down. Anyway, I might run a marathon that way. I'm not going to dedicate myself to that. But we need to dedicate ourselves to, to a few things. But what we need to do right now, before we can even speculate what this year is going to hold, we need to evaluate where we are. Right? We, know, we can see where we've come from. We'd like to know where we're going. But to do that, you have to know where you are. So we need to evaluate ourselves. We need to look inside ourselves and are saying, okay... What is there about me that God would have me change? What is there about me that God would like to enhance or would like to have me do away with? So we do this this self-evaluation. And we're called to do that. Guess what? We also have license as a church to evaluate each other. Okay, that's scary. I'm not talking about being critical of each other. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we should be watching this. Oh, ooh, ooh, that might have been a sin right there. Because there's sin in your life too. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about coming alongside each other when they're in need. Come alongside each other when you can see things in their lives that are not representing the church well. And we have a responsibility to counsel each other. And say, I know you're trying your best, but this thing is not improving your witness. So we need to evaluate each other. Then we have to stop, and we have to take a look around, and we have to evaluate the world we live in. That is not a pretty picture. I'm just paying attention to the news the last week or so. Can you, imagine, can you, can you just comprehend all that's going on in the world right now? I mean, we've got people that are deliberately driving semi-trucks through crowded shopping centers. Why? Because it was Christmas. 
And this represented Christmas. Now, Christmas has become a secular institution in America. Yeah, there are still some of us, and more of us than than we really appreciate, who understand that Christ is in Christmas and what Christmas is about. It's not about gifts. It's not about getting. It's not about Black Friday. It's not about the sales. It's about Christ. And it's about worshiping God. And it's about the joyous deliverance that he sent us on Christmas Day. We still remember that as a church, right? But our culture doesn't. Our culture is focused on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and Frosty the Snowman. Now, I didn't see it so much this year. I, I think when you went by Lowe's, they said Christmas trees for sale instead of holiday trees for sale this year. And I, I was encouraged to see that. But our society has, has secularized Christmas. And I work with a, I work with a, Mus, a Muslim gentleman... And I worked with a Hebrew woman, or, or a Hebrew, a Hindu woman, and they were discussing their Christmas plans. And I said, you guys celebrate Christmas? Oh, yeah. Okay. Remember that Christ's in there. Okay, just don't forget that part. But there was a Christmas market in, in Germany, and a terrorist drove a semi through it and killed dozens of people. Wounded many, many more. They still understand that Christ is in Christmas. This has nothing at all to do with my sermon. This is a rabbit trail. But they still understand. We have forgotten that Christ is in Christmas. But the right these forces of evil, remember, they attacked that Christmas celebration because it was Christmas. So we're looking around, and what do we see around us? We see death. We see destruction. Do we see much good? Of course, that's not newsworthy, the good things that happen. But everything I see is dark. And it starts to wear on me after a while, and I start to get, you know, I start to despair a little bit. But Psalm 23 reminds me not to despair. I don't know about you, but you know there are times when I've had enough. And the world is so dark and so ugly and so threatening. I mean, it is common now. This would have been unheard of 30 years ago. It's common now for many of us to be carrying pistols with us when we go to Walmart. It's gotten to that point. And it's and it's accepted. It's, it's the social norm now that everyone you see could be armed. How has our world gotten to the point that you have to carry a weapon with you to feel safe? Our economy is doing better, but it's still not as good as it could be. Secularism rules. It's in the, it's in the schools. It's in government. It's in the, it's in the workplace. We, we at the Federal Reserve Bank had a holiday party. Couldn't call it a Christmas party. We had a holiday party. Secularism is, is spread throughout. It's our society. We're a secular society. God is not revered in America or loved or obeyed. Sometimes I get so tired of it and I get so upset about it and I get so hurt by it that I just want to quit. 
I just want Jesus to come and put an end to all of it. We know how this is going to end. And, and I just wanted to come, come on. But I can't feel that way. What can I do? What should I do? And where's God in all this? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1 says, For we know that all of our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this body, despairing to put on our dwelling from heaven, since we are clothed, since when we are clothed, we will not, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that morality may be swallowed up by life. And the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So Paul is reminding us here that, that the, this world and all of it is only temporary. And we're just passing through it. Home is waiting for us. And that home is better and it's brighter. And there's no pain. There are no tears. There are no taxes. There are no jobs. There's no darkness. There's no semi-terrorists. It's a better place. We'll be clothed in the light. We'll be clothed in glory. We'll be clothed in worship. We'll have this mansion waiting for us. This earthly dwelling will fade away, but we'll have this place that God has set aside for us. So what we're going through now and all this darkness and all this gloom and all this despair is only temporary. We're going to work our way through that. God has got his hand on us and he's leading us home to a better place. So why is he waiting? Why is he leaving me here? Why do I have to, to live this way? Why do I have to see all this? Why does my heart grieve for the world the way it does? Well, maybe he's not finished with me yet. Why does he just come and get us? Why does he just call up his church? Because we've still got work to do. He hasn't finished. In verse 6, it says, So we are always confident, and we know that while you're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Remember, that's important. We see all that's going on, and we see all how the world seems to literally be going to hell in a handbasket. But we walk by our faith, not by what we see. And we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body as to be home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. So that's our plan. That's our aim. What we're called to do is be pleasing to him, to, to do the will of God, to know what it is that he wants for us. We've still got, everybody put your hand on your heart. Do you feel a beat? If you do, you've got purpose. Your, that heart is still beating because God has something for you to do. If you don't feel a beat, call 911. If you're alive and you're taking a breath, it's because God has willed it. He's still got work for you to do. There's still something that he has left undone, and he's called you to do it. So what does God want? What is it that he's called us to do? In Micah 6, 8, it says, mankind. Now, this is interesting. He didn't say you guys. He didn't say, hey, Christians. Of course, it was Micah. It was 
before the New Testament, <clears throat> from the Old Testament. He says, mankind, that's everybody, that's all of us. He has told you what is good and, and what it is the Lord requires of you. Okay, have you been asking yourself that question your entire Christian life? What does the world Lord want from me? Well, here's the answer. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what we are called to do. So how do we do it? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, because we know the fear of the Lord, we seek to persuade people. We are completely open before God, and I hope we are completely open to your consciences as well. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us. This is Paul talking about him and, and, and uh, his, his uh, co-workers. So that you may have a reply for those who take pride in outward appearance rather than in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we have sound mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us since we have reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. In 1 Corinthians 16:13, it says, Be alert, stand firm in the faith, act like a man, be strong. So what does God want from us? He wants us to act justly, love faithfulness, and walk humbly with our God. He wants us to stand up. He wants us to stand for the things that are right. He wants us to be the conscience of the world. So how do we do that? Well, we stand up. We don't sit down. We don't shut up. We don't back down until every person on earth has heard the truth. We, we can't stop standing up for what is right no matter what it costs. And that's easy for me to say standing here on Sunday morning. But Tuesday, I'm going to get up in the dark, and it'll be cold. And I'll get on a train in the dark. And I'll go to a job that expects all I can give and more. Then I'll come home to bills and worn tires on the trucks and problems and sick kids and sick grandchildren and life. So in this sanctuary, I can stand and say, I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to back down. But the rubber meets the road. And what am I going to do? And there's another problem. So we've got all the normal things of life. We've got illnesses and we've got, we've got bills and we've got worries and we've got all of that that we have to contend with. But there's another danger out there. And I find myself, I think, maybe falling into this a little bit. So I need you to pray for me here. I also have so many blessings from God that I'm in danger of taking credit for them and forgetting where they came from. I'll let this sink in a minute. It's real easy to, to, to pinpoint the things that are wrong in our lives. It's real easy to, to all the pain points, the things that, that hurt us. 
It's real easy to see those as things that we need to overcome with the help of God and we need to pray for and we need people to come alongside and help us when money is short and the bills can't, aren't get paid and the kids are sick and all those things that happen in life. That's real easy to understand the dangers of dis- and despair from all of that. Maybe it would be easy to, to question God and say, where are you, God, when all these things are happening to me? You told me I was in the eye of the storm. I don't think the eye of the storm includes my wife having cancer. That's real easy to see. But there's maybe even a greater danger. When things are going so well, and you just got that promotion, and you got a good bonus from work, and your, you know, your career is going, and your family's healthy, and everybody's happy, and your kids are you know, doing well in their careers, and, and your loving wife, and you've got all these wonderful things in your life. And you start thinking, Look at this Babylon the Great that I have created. You know, I am, I am really good. I am such a great man that they decided to give me a raise at work. Man, I am just so cool. Right? The danger there is that I start taking credit for what God has done. That all the blessings that God gives to me, then I start saying, I deserve this because of how wonderful I am. Well, remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? God drove him crazy. Sent him out. He, he, uh, he put him in the, in the wilderness for seven years, and he lived like an animal until he came to his senses because he said, look at all I have done. And that's a danger because we forget about God and we start worshiping ourselves. So what do we do? In all of this, I'm just me. I'm just this small little man. What can I do? God calls me to stand, but how can I stand? What what can I do against all of this? All the pain and the pride and the self-destruction, what is it? Where am I in all this? Well, God says, yeah, remember who you are. You're a child of God. Big G, God. Empowered by grace, made weak to be strong, made foolish to be made wise. You're an unashamed workman with a calling and a job to do. And this is interesting. What can I do against all the darkness in the world? Myself? Nothing. But the result is not my responsibility. It's the Lord's. The result of my effort is not my responsibility. What God expects from me is not my ability. It's my avail ability. That I'm willing to go to war. That I'm willing to step up. That I'm willing to fight back. That I'm willing to pray for the people that oppress me. That I'm willing to witness to the people that I work with that I don't particularly like. That I'm willing to stand for the things of God when it would be easier to go the way of the world. And you're asking yourself, how can one person, how can I, by walking justly, loving faithfulness, how can I make a difference? Have you ever thought about your influence? Think about who you influence. Terry influences thousands of kids. 
She has them in her class. She's teaching them math, but she's teaching them more than math. She's teaching them what a Christian woman looks like and how they react. At least I hope she is. <laughs> Eldon, she, no, just kidding. It's obvious that Terry has influence because she is in front of these kids, and they're looking at her as a role model as a, of an adult. So she may have more influence in that way than most of us. But we all have influence. We all have people that are looking at us. And I always say that influence is like the wake of a ship. The ship passes through and it, it rolls awake behind it. And that, in, that wake rolls out from the ship. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it passes. And it affects things as it goes through. Floating piers and buoys and things react to that influence. And it spreads out. And the wake of that ship goes places the ship never went. That's your influence. You're influencing things that you will never even know about. By living your life in a godly way, people are seeing what a Christian looks like and it affects the way they think and the way they feel. And God uses that. So you may not have any clue that you're affecting the checkout girl at the, at the supermarket or your waitress at, at, uh, at Denny's. But you could be. God can use all of those interactions. So remember your influence. Don't forget who you are and the power that God has given you to influence people. We can only do what we can do. And then we have to trust God to do the rest. We were given a ministry. Each and every one of us has a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, From now on, then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way, even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might have righteousness of God in him. Okay, that concludes the introduction. Now for the sermon. Ready? Four points, real quick. So how do we make all this work? What is it that God expects us to do? How do we make a difference in this world, even though we may not realize we're making a difference? Well, first of all, point one, you have to believe it. Do you believe it? Do you? Do you believe it? It's kind of weak. Kind of worried about you. Okay. Do you believe it? Yes. All right. Do you believe that we can make a difference? Do you believe that God called us and put us in this congregation, in this body of believers, to make a difference? Do you believe that? Okay, what are you going to do about it? You've got to live it. It can't be enough that you sit here this morning and tell me that you believe. You have to be out there and show them that you believe. The world is watching you. 
Are they seeing anything different in you than they see in everyone else? Can they tell you're a Christian just by the way you act and the way you talk and the things that are important to you? When I'm at work, I talk, I talk about things of God like most people talk about football. Right? You come in on the, mor- come in on the morning and every- the guys spend the first half hour talking about last night's football game. Then they spend the next half hour talking about last week's football game. And then about lunchtime, they start talking about what the- where they're going to go for lunch. What am I talking about? Yeah, Sunday at church, we did this. And next Wednesday, there's going to be a men's outing, and we're going to do that. And it was so cool when we went to Camp Hope, and we shot all our guns and stuff. And they go, what? And I said, well, we're Baptists. We've got an armory. <laughs> and they said, you, you, you guys get together and go shoot? Yeah. Well, I didn't think Christians did that. Why not? And so that's the kind of thing we talk about. That, that I talk about. When everybody else is talking about football, I'm talking about God. Now, I'm not going out of the way, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, sit down and listen to my thing, I'm going to tell you about God. It's just who I am. And it's what I talk about. It's what's important to me. Can people see that in you? So you've got to live it. You've got to get out there and you have to do it. You can't, it's not enough to believe it. It has to be turned into action. And you have to claim it. That's point number three. You have to claim it. All these blessings from God, I claim. All these gifts from God, I claim. All these promises that God has made, I believe that they're real. I'm going to live like they are, and I'm going to claim them. And then the last thing is do it. Does anybody know what Nike means besides logo for a shoe company? means victory. What is Nike's catchphrase? What is their low, what is their whatever? Just do it. Just do it to earn the victory. So I like Nike. I think we ought to say Nike. That ought to be our buzzword around here. We ought to say Nike. Everybody look at their shoes. I got Adidas, man. I guess I'm a Methodist. No, anyway. <laughs> Just do it. I was reading an article the other day, and I guess I didn't take it to heart. It was about how to be a successful deer hunter. <clears throat> and I have to say, I shot at a deer the other day. The operative word there is at. And they, they said, what was that? And I wandered away. But anyway, how to be a successful deer hunter. And he said, you have to get in the woods. You're not going to shoot any deer sitting at the cafe drinking coffee. Duh. Well, how do you want, you want to be a successful soul hunter? You have to be in the woods. Sitting in the church is not going to win souls for God. You have to be in the woods because that's where the souls are. I have to be in the woods because that's where the deer are. If I'm going to ever shoot one, I have to be in the woods. The more often I'm in the woods, the more likelihood there is that I'll actually be able to shoot a deer one day. God willing. Same thing applies to our witness. We have to be in the woods. We have to be where the people are. So we need to make a resolution. Okay, you ready for this? We're going to make a resolution. Here's, here's the resolution that I have made. This is the year that I will make a difference. Okay, all you men, 
Okay, all the guys. Ready? I want you to repeat after me. This is the year I will lead my family in the ways of God. Go ahead, say it. I'll lead my family in the ways of God. Do you believe it? Are you going to live it? Are you going to claim it? Are you going to do it? Okay, guys. Women, you ready? It's your turn. This is the year I will surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Ready? This is the year I will surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Do you believe it? Can you live it? Will you claim it? Will you do it? All right. Young people, this is the year I will be a Christian example to my friends at school. Ready? This is the year I will be a Christian example to my friends at school. Do you believe it? Do you live it? Will you claim it? Will you do it? That's not my New Year's resolution. This is the year that I will make a difference. This is the year that I'll stop worrying about me and start worrying about God and what he's called me to do. This is the year of reconciliation. So what do we do? We go. We don't despair. We man up. We stand up. This is the year of Jubilee. When all the debts are forgiven and all the slaves are set free. This is a new year. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. Let's pray. Lord, we were humble with our hearts broken. Sometimes we look around us and we see all the destruction and all the despair. And we cry out to you and we ask where you are in all of this. Then we remember that you're right where you've always been. You're right in the middle of all that goes on in this world. And Lord, we, we ask for your guidance. We ask for your courage. We ask for, your, ask for you to build us up and give us the strength to do the things that you have called us to do. Lord, we ask you to give us the power to stand up in the face of all of this Make ourselves available to you. Lord, we ask that you give us the power to go and to to preach your word and to reach out for those in need. Lord, let us be the people, the men and the women and the children that you would have us be. Let us go into 2017 with a new focus and a new dedication to serve you to love you truly, love you wholly. Turn that into action that the world can see. Lord, we ask that you take our influence as small as it might be and expand it and grow it and magnify it so that we can reach people for you that we've never even met. Someday we'll be in heaven with you. And I pray, Lord, there are thousands and millions of people whose souls were called to you because of what we have done. Not us, but you through us. That let us be your instrument to reach this lost and dying world. Give us the faith that we need to put one foot in front of the other, knowing that you are leading, knowing that you lead us through. 
We just need the courage and the faith to follow. The outcome is not guaranteed, but the outcome is not my responsibility. I am called to merely follow. Lord, I ask that you be with all those that are here today, all that hear this word spoken, that you might work in their hearts, and this would take root in their hearts and and become full-grown, full-grown witness and worship to you. Lord, if there's anyone here that does not have you in their heart, today is the day. Today is the day that I would ask you move, that the Holy Spirit break down those walls and open those doors and allow you in. If there's anyone here that needs to, to come closer to God and has not accepted Jesus Christ, I pray today is the day that you humble, that they humble themselves and ask for that Savior. Lord, those of us that have loved you and called out your name for a long time, rebuild us, re-strengthen us, refocus us, remind us who we are and where we fit in your plan. Lord, I ask that you go with us now as we go from this place, that we get in the woods where the souls are. Give us the power and the focus to affect those people that so dearly need to hear your word. Lord, use us as your spoken word. Use us as your ambassadors. Lord, give us peace as we go through this week. Remind us always of your love for us. We ask all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.